ambassadors room pass at this time. And again, my name is Tim, and I'm an alcoholic. And um, I guess I need to thank Les because he asked Alfred, and then Alfred told me that I'm leading. So um, thanks, Les. Thanks a lot, Les. Um, but anyways, so the Reader's Digest version of my story is <clears throat> my first meeting ever was a Cocaine Anonymous meeting in 1987-ish at Ontario Community Hospital. They had, uh, I think, a program there, New Horizons. But anyways, it was in the cafeteria, and there was like 50 people. Um, the Alcohol Drug Treatment Center at Pomona Valley Hospital uh, gave my dad the, the, the time and date and <clears throat> address to that. My very first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting was probably the next morning, a morning meeting at the Alcohol Drug Treatment Center. And um, I remember the CA meeting like it was yesterday, because I was amazed that A, the leader and what he shared and the fact that he did share all those things, you know, about um, his growing up and his feelings. I, I've never seen a man share like that before. Uh, as foggy as I was, uh, I picked up on every word. The AA meeting, I don't remember as much. Um, but subsequently, um, I started to, you know, go to meetings sporadically um, and didn't stay sober, right? Because I, I didn't fully commit to this thing. Um, fast forward, uh, I was 12-stepped by um, <clears throat> the president of my union and another colleague. They... I was living in Upland at the time in an apartment. It was like a year and a half later from going to that first meeting, and I heard a knock at the door. And I opened the door, and I recognized the colleague, but I didn't recognize the, the man. And they said, Tim, can we come in? I said, sure, come on in. And there was beer cans and bottles and drug paraphernalia all around the apartment. And I could see the look on both of their faces. They just kind of looked around. And then they looked back at me and they said, Tim, is there a problem? No, I don't. what are you guys talking about? You know, and he said, well, you've called in sick for three weeks in a row. I don't know if anyone's ever lost track of time when you were out there. <clears throat> but apparently I did because I didn't. I thought it was only like a couple of days. But it had been three weeks. And they said, uh, here's the deal. We can save your job but you've got to go with us right this second to um, uh, a rehab. And I thought, okay, the Alcohol Drug Treatment Center, that place is, you know, really nice. And they said, no, it's this place called Cedar House out in Bloomington. So I wasn't sure what Cedar House in Bloomington was, but if it was anything like the Alcohol Drug Treatment Center in Pomona, I said, sure, I'll go with you. <laughs> well... Yeah, I don't. Does anybody know what Cedar House is? <laughs> it, it's not the Hilton. Um, but uh, the first night, I think we had hot dog soup, and uh, it went down downhill from there. Anyways, I stayed 45 days, um, saved my job uh, at that point, and uh, I actually stayed sober six months from the, the that day that they took me to Cedar House. Then on the 180th day. Um, I was probably going to one meeting at that point, um, and maybe one meeting every two weeks. I don't even know what it was. But 
uh, the, the thought came to my brain, I need to celebrate the six months of sobriety by going and get a six pack and some drugs. And that's what I did. And uh, my girlfriend at the time who had, you know, uh, come to see me at Cedar House, uh, she saw the state I was in the next day and she goes, well, I'm just gonna take you back to Cedar House. And that scared me. I said, no. Uh, and I looked in the directory and there was a meeting at the Triangle Club. And uh, so I went, it was uh, July of 89. I went to the Triangle Club. It was, uh, I think it was, no, it was an evening meeting. And uh, there was a guy leading the meeting <clears throat> and I sat in the back in the Triangle Club in 1989, they smoked. You know, they had a non-smoking table, but that was a joke. And, um, and uh, I sat through the whole meeting so I could tell my girlfriend I went to a meeting. And then I you know, sat by the door and I was almost to my car. And this is literally what happened. I'm almost to my car and I hear a voice. Hey, where are you going? And I turned around and it was the guy that led the meeting. And, I thought, and so I, a I answered him. I said, I'm going home. And he goes, well, hold on a second. And he caught up to me and he asked me just a couple of questions like, are you new to Alcoholics Anonymous? And I said, well, no. And I broke it down to him. I went to Cedar House, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, okay, okay. We talked in that parking lot for close to two hours. So uh, I guess back in those days, the old timers ran down the newcomers in the parking lot. And, uh, but he was a really nice guy. His name was Hal Watson. He passed away uh, sober. But um, he told me where there was a meeting on Tuesday in Claremont, on Sycamore. He said, this is where I'm going to be on Tuesday. If you want, you can show up. I'll introduce you to some people. So I showed up. And, uh, and then uh, he told me where there was a meeting, I think, on Saturday. And so I followed that guy around to his meetings for about 45 days. And then at, at that point, I asked him to be my sponsor. And Hal was my sponsor, um, at least in name, for seven years. And uh, the first three to four years, you know, we worked the steps. At least we got up to step nine. And uh, poor Hal. He, uh, he called me the Dennis the Menace of all his sponsees. And I kind of, you know, took that as a badge of honor, but that's not what he meant. Um, you know, I just, I was very rebellious and very, you know, arrogant. And uh, he really tried hard to get me to see the, the principles and the value of this amazing program. And then uh, fast forward seven years, one month and one day, I had a drink in my hand. And uh, so it, you know, relapses don't just happen overnight. There was a lot that led up to that. Um, I didn't completely stop going to meetings, but I went to a men's stag in Laverne um, on Wednesday nights and I'd show up late or I'd leave early. And that was it. That was the only meeting I was going to. I never called Hal. Um, so anyways, I had a drink in my hand and the little AA voice said, Tim, what are you doing? And then the real loud disease voice said, F it and I drank it. And uh, gosh, after seven years, I had started my own company. We had bought a home in, in Laverne, top of Laverne. I had gotten married sober. Um, we had at that point one, one child. In a year's time, I lost the business, the house. My wife kicked me out. I was 
you know, pretty much, uh, uh, you know, living at the Lemon Tree Hotel in Pomona. I don't know if anyone knows about the Lemon Tree. <clears throat> it's almost as nice as Cedar, as Cedar House. Um, and uh, I was getting 86 from the Lemon Tree <laughs> Hotel. Anyways, um, I, yeah, so that was the beginning of a horrendous time. Um, my sobriety date is February 9th, 2000, uh, excuse me, February 10th, 2009. So um, 14 and a half years now, but um, I relapsed around 97-ish, so a decade, over a decade of coming in and out of this program. And, and trying again. It was almost as if my higher power was like, no, I, I gave you this amazing gift. You threw it away. You're really going to have to work hard this time to, to get it back. That's, that's what it seemed like. I don't know if my higher power does that, but that's what it seemed like. So um, I ventured in and out. I had a year a couple of times, 11 months, nine months, six months. And I just kept going out because I still at that point was not willing to do what all of you were suggesting that I do. Go to meetings, get commitments, first and foremost, work all 12 steps. I'd only gotten up to step nine with Hal. Work all 12 steps and then begin to give this thing away. I was not willing to do that. Um, and subsequently, I'd get drunk and then I'd go, I don't know why I got drunk again. Um, and uh, finally, I met Alfred. Alfred's my sponsor. Uh, I met him in 1999, so I just told you I got sober in 2009, <laughs> so that poor guy hung in there for 10 years. I'm pretty sure Alfred fired me at one point. He just didn't tell me. And uh, so because he didn't tell me, when I, I would just come back. You know, Alfred, can you help me? Um, Alfred has taken calls from rehab. He visited me in West Valley once. He's been a good sponsor <laughs> for a knucklehead like me. Anyways, um, in 2009, uh, we, we got back together. We made a commitment to work all 12 steps. I worked all 12 steps in the first year uh, of, of my sobriety when I got back for the 20th time. And um, that changed me. I, I can stand up here today and tell you, after I worked all 12 steps with Alfred, something happened. There was a psychic change, a spiritual change. And what I mean by that, for this guy who's really selfish and self-centered and rebellious, I wanted to go to meetings, you know? Um, I wanted to raise my hand and, and take a commitment and keep the commitment. I was always good at taking the commitment, but I wasn't very good at keeping the commitment. You know, a couple months roll by and, can you do my coffee commitment? Um, but I, I, you know, I wanted to keep the commitment. And then after a year and a half sober, uh, I asked Alfred about sponsoring guys. Because I had done the 12 steps, you know, it's been a year and a half. And he said, you know what, this is what you do. You start praying about it and open up your heart and if God seem you know <laughs> feels like you should be sponsoring someone then he'll put that guy in your path and sure enough some guy on the tuesday night men's stag which is my home group by the way upland uh, tuesday night men's stag came up to me and asked me to take him through the steps and i've been taking guys through the steps since i was a year and a half sober um they come out to the house we go through the 12 and 12 the big book 
I don't know what it does for them, but that formula seems to really work for me. Um, it, I feel like I'm in Alcoholics Anonymous um, through that 12-step work. I'm not saying that sponsorship is the end-all, it's not. But I'm just saying that for me, that, that um, is a really important piece to the puzzle. So um, again, this time around, you know, um, the wife that had signed documents, legal separation, um, had nothing, nothing to do, wanted to do with me. She made the mistake of letting me back in the house after about a year sober, and I haven't left since. Um, and uh, she's almost 30 years sober in this program. So we have a, a good relationship. You know, we talk about um, sobriety every day. You know, there, there's a conversation. She does her meditation, I do mine. I was looking at her meditation books the other day. She's got like five meditation books. And I'm thinking to myself, is it really that bad living with me reading five <laughs> meditation books? You know, I only have one. Um, so I didn't ask her about it, but maybe I will. Um, or maybe I won't. Um, she, uh, she, I got to do a plug for Al-Anon because she entered Al-Anon when I relapsed. And, uh, and I think Al-Anon saved our marriage because they taught her to, you know, uh, separate with love. You know, she kicked me out of the house. I think that saved our marriage. She, she didn't allow me to stay. And uh, she, she didn't have to see all that madness. So, you know, uh, good plug for Al-Anon. So today, um, what does my sobriety look like? I go to meetings. I have commitments. I don't like not having commitments. Um, I know my potential. You know, I, I'm a I'm a relapser. You know, I I told Alfred I was a newcomer, and he's like, No, you're not. You're a retread. That hurt my feelings. But uh, so you know, if we have any relapsers, relapsers unite. Um, <clears throat> but I think we might have just an extra dose of bullshit in us as relapsers. So you know, I stay really close to this program, um, commitments, meetings, sponsoring, um, fellowship. You know, uh, if I'm asked to do something, I, I just do it, you know, I don't, because, you know, my brain will come up with a reason not to. Um, I like going to the Southern California Convention. I didn't used to do that, but I've been doing that for the last 10 years. That's cool. Uh, and then going to the old timers meeting is just amazing. Um, I don't know, you guys. I owe everything to Alcoholics Anonymous, but I'll say this and then I'll shut up. Give me two weeks without this program. And this guy that's standing up here, you know, talking all good stuff, I get a really bad attitude. And I don't know why I'm wired that way, and I don't know if anyone else is wired that way, but my attitude changes. And if you leave me with that bad attitude long enough, and this is what happened at seven years at one time, I will consider drinking again. And the fact that I have that potential scares the crap out of me. Because my life is so different today. And um, I think that's it. Thanks for letting me share. And for your speaker tonight, I would like to introduce Alfred M. My full name is Alfred Ramirez Mendoza. I am an alcoholic. Alfred. 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 Want me to get closer? Yeah. 
Okay. Can you hear me back there? Yes, okay. Anyway, I really enjoyed the, the qualifications of Tim. It's been an honor and a pleasure to uh, be his sponsor. You know, real, I always like to start how, how I came to this program called Alcoholics Anonymous. When I got here, it was anonymous. You know, to, I, the, my first meeting was way back in 1976 on, on May the 18th, which is about 48 years ago. It, it was anonymous, okay. Uh, the day before I came to my, my first meeting, I, I, uh, I was one of these people that went to a lot of drunk tanks, went to a lot of uh, camps, was in prison twice. You know, it, it may not look like it, but you know, it, it may be bad luck. Anyway, uh, uh, the day before I came to my first meeting, there's a church in Chino. I grew up in Chino in the barrio, you know, Pachuco, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, there was a church there on 10th and B. And I got down on my knees outside the church because I didn't want to go inside. And I, I had been running a monk for a long time. I was raised by my grandparents. And I asked for help. So the next day, on a Tuesday morning, I was going to see my new PO, a guy named Tim Calloway. And I sat in this little small office, not very big. And there was uh, between where he was sitting and uh, maybe there was about three feet. And what he did, I had never experienced before in my life. This guy pointed his finger at me and yelled at me. Nobody had ever done that before. He's, he, uh, he said, I, I looked at your rap sheet and I came to the conclusion you're an alcoholic. And he gave me a small piece of paper the size of a dollar bill. He said, the number of that's the number to Alcoholics Anonymous. He said, and then he showed me another document about this side. He said, I already took the time to fill it out. All I gotta do is sign the date it, and if you don't show me proof you've been to an AA meeting today, I have a court order for your arrest, you go to prison. Get out of my office. <laughs> and that that exactly what I needed. Exactly what I needed. Because if you tell somebody that's an alcoholic, I think you got a problem, you should go to AA. That's not gonna work. You know. So I went home and uh, he gave me two choices. I can either go to AA or go to prison. So I went home and I thought about it. <laughs> anyway, I picked up the phone. You know, this is before they had all these cell phones. You know, you got to dial or whatever. Anyway, I, it was like uh, a Tuesday morning on May the 18th. I was, I was 29 years old. And I uh, dialed the phone. And, and oh, I didn't know they did these things, but they have slots. And they, the, the person I talked to happened to be a woman. I found out later her nickname was Clean Jean. And I told her, my name is Alfred. I need to go to an AA meeting. And she said, where do you live? I said, I live in Chino. And um, she said, okay, well, there was one meeting. At that time, there wasn't a whole lot of meetings. She said, in Chino, at that time, there was only one meeting on 10th and B. That was it. Now there's 60 or 70 meetings, but at that time, there was only one meeting a week. So I told her, I said, I need to go to one now, or you're desperate. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, it, she, she, she told me there was a meeting in Ontario, a place called Benita Court. It started at 12 o'clock. She says, why don't you tell me where you live? There's some men here that can go talk to something about a 12-step call, something about the literature and the big book, you know. And I hung up the phone because I thought maybe a car would pull up. I lived in Chino in the barrio. This car would pull up where I live and the car would say AA. And these, these people, whoever they were, would either have jackets or church saying AA. The Gomez's, the Vicarios, everybody would come out. So I, I went to my first meeting not knowing nothing. 
you know, I didn't know anything. And back then, all the, no matter where you went, the meetings were an hour and a half. And they smoked. I mean, these people could, no matter, you know. Anyway, I went to my first meeting and I walked in there not knowing anything. And uh, there was, uh, of course, now I'm old. There was an old guy, and I found out later he ran the place. His name was Woody. He was dressed like a cowboy, a cowboy hat, a whole. Anyway, I walked in there and I asked this guy, hey, you, where do you sign up for the AA meeting? He says, you don't. And he started to walk away from me. And I said, well, how do you know you're here? He says, because we can see you. <laughs> you know. And I sat down and the guy that had my first meeting uh, was a guy named Carmen. And I said to myself, maybe they called up ahead to get another Mexican, but that's just the way it worked. <laughs> And, and Carmen had been sober two and a half years and he had, he had been locked up in Camarillo for the mentally insane. And back then, if you were really bad, they would lock you up in Camarillo, Norwalk, Patton State Hospital, Latterman, stuff like that. Anyway, uh, I, I listened to the readings and uh, as I was sitting there, somebody brought me some coffee and they had real cups. And the cup was only half full, I said to myself. Either they ran out of coffee or because I'm a Mexican. And what I found out, if you're new, they don't want to give you a, a full cup because you're shaking. Anyway, I did everything in that first meeting, I remember. It was a mixed meeting. They had men and women there. And uh, the, the, the woman was May. And I remember there was a young guy. There was a priest and there was a nun in there. And I remember this one guy sharing. Once he started drinking, he couldn't stop. And uh, I heard about the blackouts. My biggest mistake the first time, I did get a sponsor, a guy named Rick Contreras. My, my biggest mistake the first time that I got here at age 29, I was told repeatedly to get away from Chino de Barrio. And I thought I could, I thought I could maintain my sobriety. After a year, uh, I got drunk and then I came back. Okay, going back in time, I was born in Bakersfield, California, 1947. And don't ask me anything, I was just born there. I don't know anything about it. Anyway, my father was an alcoholic, so, and so was my mother, and they had, uh, they had other addictions. They had other problems besides alcohol. Uh, at one time, I had five brothers and five sisters. Today, I'm the only one left. We lived in a town called Arvin. I was just a little kid. It was told to me. It was a late Friday night. We lived in a house made out of wood, two-story house. And what happened late Friday, I don't know why this happened, late Friday night, the house caught on fire. Why it caught on fire, I have no idea. But two brothers and a sister were burned alive. And uh, uh, somehow they tracked down my mom and dad. I found out later they were in a bar drinking. And they got there, the house was completely gone. They had tarps over the three bodies. And it was told to me that my mom and dad told whoever was there, the police or whoever was there, well, it seems like everything's under control, so they went back to the bar. And what I've learned, if you're an alcoholic, your addiction comes first. Nothing else matters. It should. You know, you got, you're married, you got kids, it doesn't matter. Uh, what happened later, uh, my, 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 uh, my, dad, my mom, she was an alcoholic, she had another addiction. She, she went to the store to get some milk and cereal. Well, she, her other addiction kicked in. She saw this guy and she took off with him, you know. So we never got the cereal with milk. Anyway, my, my dad put us in an orphanage someplace in Bakersfield. His mom and dad didn't like that idea. And his uh, mom and dad got us out of there. 
And uh, we, I, I was, I, uh, me and my sister, we grew up in Chino, in a ranch. This is a long time ago. And uh, the other brothers and sisters, when I, 30 years later, I got to see some of them. Anyway, I grew up in Chino. I was sharing this yesterday at the men's stack. When I grew up in Chino, there was segregation and prejudice. I went to uh, a school, if you were a Mexican, it was a Marshall school. And the dividing line in Chino way back then uh, was Riverside Drive. And I remember my, my, my grandfather and my grandmother, we went to the store and they had a shopping cart. They had put stuff in the basket and the, the guy running the store came on and says, we don't wait on Mexicans, we had to leave. You know, I grew up with that. Anyway, uh, I started drinking, uh, first drink I drank, I was seven or eight years old, I started drinking wine. My grandfather was not an alcoholic. He would drink wine, he worked in construction, he never got drunk, and I started drinking wine. You know, that was my, my escape. And I, uh, the way I met my father, it was a family get-together, and somebody said, see that guy over there? That's your father. That's how I met my father. And getting back to my mom, uh, another thing that happened is that my mom and dad never got married. So that I had, I had back then was a was a big stigma. You know, today it's no big deal, but back then it was. Anyway, back in the early 50s, she took off with this guy, and I guess they were out in the Bakersfield area drinking. I guess they were having sex. After a year, this uh, this guy told my my mom all that stuff that I promised you, I'm not going to give you nothing, and. Uh, they had been drinking and this guy had drank more than my mom. And she, I don't know if you know what a resentment is. She got a, she got a resentment towards this guy. And what she did was wrong, but this is what happened. Uh, she went to the car and, and grabbed this thing called a machete. It's a, it's a, you know, and what she did was wrong. She attacked this guy, this guy couldn't, uh, she disfigured him. You know, what she did was wrong. But that's what happened. Anyway, uh, my, my mom was given 20 years to life, and she started her, her sentence for this, this mayhem thing in Tehachapi uh, prison. At that time, Tehachapi, back in the early 50s, was a woman's prison. Today, it's a men's prison, but back then, it was a woman. I think it was 1954, something like that. They had an earthquake there, and about one-fourth of the women got killed, some of them got injured and they made a new prison between Chino and Corona. She's, so she did the other 15 years there. And uh, when I was uh, 21 years old, I never told anybody, no family member. When I was 21 years, I went to visit her, you know, and I never hated her. I figured maybe, you know, she, she would. Anyway, I went there, I was in the lobby and they, they told me, you know, it doesn't seem like she's gonna come out. And I had been there for, I don't know, six, eight hours. And this woman came out I had nothing against this woman. She was a black woman. She said, I need to, need to read something. Delfina Ramirez Mendoza regrets you ever born. She wants you to get out of here and never come back. So I didn't, I didn't get to talk to her. She had a bad attitude. I don't know if you ever come across people in AA that get a bad attitude. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> when, I, when I got to the program the second time at age 30, I, I went to visit my sister. And uh, my sister was on the phone and I said, who are you talking to, our mother? Would you like to talk to this? Sure. And she had, she, oh, when, when she did her 20 years, they put her in Pomona, a place called Latterman. I don't know if it's still there or not. They were trying to rehabilitate her. 
She was in there for two years. She went up north to Sacramento, and I said to her, I will drop everything trying to help you. And she took her last words to me, don't bother. I want to be left alone, you know. And uh, anyway, uh, I got another, I got a phone call from my sister. She, there's a, in Sacramento, below Sacramento, there's a little town called Golf. Anyway, she went there at 6 o'clock in the morning. There's a bar there. And she started drinking. And then at, at uh, 3 o'clock that same day, she died where they had the counter. And uh, the, the reading that was written there, some people take these to the gates of insanity or death, you know. Anyway, for me is that uh, when I got here the second time, my, uh, my first sponsor, Ray Contreras, told me, in order for you to stay sober, you got to go on a lot of 12-step calls. You have to sponsor people. You have to get involved. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. So the time I've been sober, I've gone to a lot of 12-step calls. I sponsor people. I never give up on people. I've, I've talked to people that are drunk. Uh, I've talked to people that are loaded on drugs. Uh, I, you know, and some people said, I don't do that. I said, you know, whatever. You know, and I sponsored uh, as young as 14 years old, as old as 80 years old. I sponsored all different nationalities. I sponsored two guys that were twin brothers, you know. And because I can speak Spanish, I, I sponsor people from uh, all different uh, countries that speak Spanish, you know. And uh, at the time I've been sober, uh, I've, I've been involved in the program called Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been secretary of meetings, I've been treasurer of meetings. I, the Alano Club, when it was located in Ontario, I was a the manager there twice, 10 years. Uh, I was captain of... Uh, retreats in, in Redlands. Uh, I worked at the central office, managed the phones. Uh, I, I go to the, bank, the banquet over here in Chino. You know, I was told when, if you get involved and stay involved, you're gonna stay sober. You know, that, this is what I've, what I've learned. I've <clears throat> people ask me, have you ever gotten away from the program? No, no. Uh, my sobriety date is 125.78. I've been sober 45 years. If you wonder how old I am, I'm 76 years old, you know, and uh, and uh, when I, uh, I did this, this uh, they have an alcathon at the Toronto Club, long timers, and uh, I forgot your name. He asked me to come out here and, and uh, speak, and um, I, I phoned him up and I asked him, you want me to wear a suit and tie? He says, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. And... Um, I don't know how many people here have ever been incarcerated. You know, it's a nice feeling, you know. You know, uh, you, I, I don't, re you know, you, I go, sometimes I go to a restaurant with people and they said, Alfred, how many in your party, you know? Oh, there's five, 10 of us. If you ever been incarcerated, I don't, I don't remember the guard saying, Alfred, how many in your party? How would you like your, how would you like your eggs? And I, and I have to remember that, you know, that I, the way I'm dressed, it's a good feeling, you know, you put on a, a pair of underwear, it doesn't say L.A. County on it. <clears throat> I, ha I have to remember where I came from. You know, it's been, a, you know, I, I, uh, if I forget where I came from, I will get drunk. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. I was telling Tim on the way up here, I remember there was this guy named Chuck C. And he spoke in a place called Double Check Retreat. And I... Uh, and it was hotter than heck, and I said, look at that guy. He's willing to go to any lengths to give this program, you know. And uh, 
talking about my mom, when I had about, I'm only guessing about maybe four years sobriety, uh, the, the club was like located at Fourth and Grove in Ontario. And we uh, got a little bit of water here. There was this, uh, this woman named Marcia, she came in kicking the chairs and tables. <clears throat> and I said to her, you seem to be a little bit upset. She, she says, what gives you that idea? She, and then she said, well, what's wrong? I said, well, I had a bunch of women lined up to go to the, the women's prison <clears throat> and they all canceled on me. <clears throat> so I said to her, I'll go. She said, you're a guy. Make a long story short, I went there, and then and there was uh, maybe four or five hundred women in this giant hall. <clears throat> anyway, when I got there, these women in the prison, they gave me the finger, and they cursed at me. After I told them my story about my mother being in there, they came and apologized. So anyway, uh, Well, I got to say, if you're new to the program, get a sponsor, get a commitment, stay involved. If you do these simple things, you will stay sober one day at a time. You know, uh, when I got here the second time, I didn't have anything. Today, I live in Auckland. I have a condo. I'm, you know, when I got here, I didn't have that. I have a, I have a condo. It's nothing fancy. And I'm current with all my, my, uh, my bills. I... Uh, uh, everything I owe is this program. The fact I'm standing here, I'm, a, I'm in good health. When I got here the second time, I was shaking. Oh, when I got here the second time, I had gotten in a fight with the Chino police, and they won. <clears throat> I was all beaten up, and uh, I came to the meetings, and I was sitting in a meeting like I was sitting in a chair, and people that were trying to sponsor people or help people, they would bring them over and say, if you drink, you're going to look like Alfred. <clears throat> and they, they used me as a good, bad example. You know, and, I, you know, and today, you know, I, uh, I try not to take things seriously. I was in this uh, retreat, and I, there was a bunch of guys that I sponsor. And this happened, I don't know, um, maybe 15 years ago. And this guy named Mike Z came up to me, he says, Alfred, and there was a bunch of guys there. And he says to me, Alfred, you mind if I tell you a Mexican joke? No, go ahead. Okay, I hope I get this right. There was a boat in the middle of the ocean. There was a Russian guy there. There was a French guy. There was an American and a Mexican in this boat. All of a sudden, the, the Russian guy starts throwing vodka over the side and the guy the other one says what are you doing in russia we have a lot of vodka and all of a sudden the french guy starts throwing bottles of wine the other side and he says what are you doing he said in my country we have a lot of wine and the next thing the, the american throws the mexican over the side <laughs> you know and I, and, I, and I've learned not to take yourself so seriously, you know, not to get all, all flustered, you know, you know, you know, not to get, not, you know, not to get yourself all wound up, you know, you know, you know.
not to take yourself so seriously, you know. And um, anyway, uh, I really enjoyed sharing. I don't know, like, uh, is that 45 minutes or you got to keep going or what? That's it. I'm less alcoholic. Yes. Why don't we give Alfred and Tim a hand for a great meeting? Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Fernando and, and uh, Tommy. Tommy for cooking up a storm. You know, and, and if there's somebody out there want to get involved, like he was talking about, we have we have we need people to help us. So see uh, Mayor Fernando, and we need a lot of help cleaning up. And uh, together we could do this deal. You know, I'm, I'm your grapevine rep, meeting in a print, two years, 54 bucks, one year, 28.97. I got to watch it sometimes. Sometimes these are 20 years old and, I, and they're really cheap, you know. But uh, this could save your life, you know, having your car and you're stuck on stupid, you know, pull over and start reading something. And, you know, it seems to work. You know, or give it to a recovery house or drop it in a doctor's office or go to the police station, give it to somebody there. You never know. You know, God works in mysterious ways, you know, and uh, this one, here's what we do. I give one of these away every week and someone takes them, read it and then bring it back and we can recirculate. And that way we're all reading something, doing something, you know. Uh, so this one here. asking for help service 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 having fun again not all meetings are alike starting to feel again that's a big deal it's it's the first drink that gets you how to how to get some sleep <laughs> learning to show up when we're shot up we still show up right all right who wants to come up and get it come on up Somebody wants it. There he, oh, it's way Dan. Alfred, remind me when, in the old days, we used to clean ashtrays and clean the cups. I mean, that was something. And, and, and you didn't have to smoke to come to a meeting. You just inhaled, you know. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Let's get the raffle on the way. Tina, come on. Thank you, Alfred. We love Mexicans here. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you so much for supporting our raffle each week. Got to get my tickets out. Everybody get your tickets out. I'm Tina. I'm an alcoholic. Guys, what books. do we got? Came to believe, one of them, our great responsibility, Woo. and then a little mini, the best of Bill, a little pocket-sized book, always yeah. good to take on the go. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Fifty-six eighty-nine. That's me. Yay! 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 That was a great cake. Which one would you like? Hazel. 
Nice. If you guys have any um, AA literature that you want to donate or something spiritual, a, a grapevine or, you know, a book, an old book, bring it and we'll raffle it. Uh, 5621. 5621? Yep. 5621. Five, six, two, one. Oh, yeah. Yay. We're going to get us a book report, huh? Yeah, we're going to get a book report. Oh, no, we trust Security. you. Right there it is. Right. Very good. Thank you. And then we have some bug spray around here, too, in case anybody ever wants bug spray. You know, just throw, just throwing it out there. Okay, fifty-seven seventeen. Oh, I almost got it. I almost got it. Fifty-seven seventeen. Bravo. Thank you so much. Anybody? Anybody want a book? A newcomer? A newcomer? Come on, come on. Come up, we'll give it to you. Thank you. Oh, that's okay. Thank you. Thank you guys all for being of service. I appreciate it. Yep, you're going to pray us out. Thank you. I'm honored, guys. I. Once again, my name is Nick and I'm an alcoholic. These are the promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Now, after a moment of silence for the alcoholic that still suffers in and out of these rooms and the innocent children caught in the crossfire, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you, guys. Alfred, yeah. we have more in common than I know.